0: Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, a rant episode, we go off on some of the clickbait articles that we absolutely hate. Stick around. That's coming up next. Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you. You know in Monopoly, when you would land on the chance spot and it would be like a luxury tax of $75 or, you know, some, you know, sometimes it was bank error in your favor. I was convinced that those things never actually happen in real life, but I, I had one of those today. It was not an error in my favor. It was a tax of $200 for getting my car towed out of a spot it was legally and correctly permitted to be in. And uh, that feels like just a bad roll on a Monopoly board, and I'm pretty frustrated about it.
1: Yeah, that's really, really frustrating. This was in front of your own home, Correct.
0: Correct. Yeah. The joys of renting, as people keep telling me, of not having anything to worry about. I've got an overly aggressive HOA or really towing company that the HOA has hired. And the parking permit is kind of faded from the sun. And the one that I got was already a little bit rough. And so they were basically saying it was altered or that I just like printed out a piece of paper. Like I've got some arts and crafts project going where I'm faking parking permits for some reason and uh they believed that it was fake
1: and once they have your car there's almost nothing you can do you just have to pay them and hope you work it out afterwards
0: correct and that will be where this gets interesting is how petty i want to get because i'm certainly going after the hoa to try and make this better but if they don't I might get crazy. It's still very fresh in my mind right now. I'm like still seething a little bit from just like the heat of that anger. Uh, And I'm normally pretty calm just in terms of my demeanor. So to get me really pissed like that takes quite a bit. I actually think it might be a good setup for our episode today, Dan, because we're ranting anyway. We're talking about clickbait headlines that we hate. And I actually think being a little tuned up for that discussion is a good thing. Let's go. I like it. All right. So the premise for this, I thought this is actually kind of funny. So we see this all the time. And I think you and I send these back and forth just for fun because we'll see ridiculous headlines, whether that's on Yahoo, whether that's on Google, whatever the service is. This is not shade at any one headline provider. But we see these all the time. And some of them absolutely infuriate us. And so we're going to talk through some of those, why they are so toxic in their nature. But also why people are so easy to click on them, right? Like I both hate them because I think that they're useless in their like nature, but also I understand why people are clicking on them all the time. And I'm gonna start with the first one. I found this today while we were prepping for the episode. I actually found it while I was in the Uber on the way to get my car back. Smart money, in quotes, investors pour two billion into just five stocks. That comes from Investor's Business Daily, by the way. I will, I will actually name who, who put some of these up. Okay, so to put smart money in quotes, what are people normally talking about when they say smart money versus the dumb money? Smart money is normally institutional investors, right?
1: Right, that's what I think of when
0: I hear smart money. Hedge funds, right? They're calling you the dumb money, dear listener. We, we are the dumb money. The retail investor, the, I mean, granted, Dan and I do this professionally, but they are generally calling the personal investing community dumb in the name. And then they're trying to tease you about five stocks that have been having inflows where the opportunity might be already gone, but that's just an awful headline. Right. I want to be
1: smart money too. I clearly need whatever the service is to tell me those five stocks so I can join the ranks of the big guys and be in with them and their $2 billion.
0: Yeah. But if their money's already in, well, isn't the opportunity already over? Possibly. That's the other thing, right? So they're going through this. I'm actually looking at the article. Uh, Shout out to Matt Krantz, who wrote this thing. Sorry, Matt, uh, for tearing up your headline. They do list the stocks. They are some of the biggest names in the S&P 500, by the way, <laughs> which means any dollar going into the index is going into these five names. I don't know. I just, I look at this and go, what are you trying to tell me here? Do they list the
1: smart money at least? Do we do they name names as who's pouring money into these stocks?
0: There is a secondary link on quote unquote, the best mutual funds. Oh. Yeah. So not only is, is it a clickbait of itself, it is then a clickbait inside its article to five of the best mutual funds. Which, when I follow that, by the way, I don't think that they're related. They're trying to act like these are related categories. But best diversified stock mutual funds, Morningstar category, small growth, small growth, mid-cap growth, mid-cap growth, these are not mutual funds that are buying the positions that were just listed in that previous article. So it is like clickbaiting itself with something that is just flat out not true. So they're trying to say that they're going to rank the best mutual funds already. And then they're also telling you that these are the five stocks that are being bought. This is nonsense.
1: I hate that clickbait title even more. The five best mutual funds f- for what? <laughs> for what? Like yeah. mutual yeah, funds yeah, be- can be anything. Best
0: mutual funds in 2023. See the benchmark beating funds in every category. And yeah, so best U.S. diversified stock mutual funds, they list five and they are all in the small growth or mid-cap growth category. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see the funds. Uh, we, we, we can list them off. So whatever. It's the Kinetics small cap opportunities, Oberweiss micro cap, Kinetics paradigm, no load. Yeah. I mean, the, this is a very strange list. And these are not the funds that I suspect were buying the same stocks that were mentioned in the previous article
1: you're saying that the five hot stocks are not micro cap stocks.
0: They are not. (laughs) Yeah. Some of of the biggest names in the index. All right. I hate that article. I I hate the title. I hate what it's doing inside the article. Shame on them. Here's another (laughs) one. We're going to throw a little shade here at some friends of ours. This is a Motley Fool headline. One no-brainer Warren Buffett stock to buy with $100 right now. What a call to action. There's only one stock. It's under a hundred bucks, Dan. If you've got a hundred bucks, you can buy it. You can invest like Uncle Warren right now. Yeah. Wonder what that stock is. I didn't even click on that headline. <laughs> Look, the Motley Fool, if you read their advice, if you talk to their investors, if you talk to their analysts, they believe in being diversified. If you're a stock advisor member, they will tell you repeatedly that you should buy 25 names, I think at a minimum. And that's because. They invest specifically into a fairly high-growth brand of stocks. There are a lot of booms, a lot of busts. Diversification is key. Why write a headline that suggests that all we need is the one stock?
1: It's more exciting. No one wants to get rich slowly. You want the one hot thing that will triple your money next year. In fact, I just got off a phone call today with someone who was exploring financial advisors and people who can invest money for him we had a great phone call. And at the very end, he's like, all right, but I just want to state clearly that my goal is to try to double this every two or three years. Is that something we can achieve? So people have very strange expectations. And I think these headlines tend to feed into that opinion.
0: Yeah. To double your money over the course of a three-year period, if we back into it with the rule of 72, means you would need an annualized 24% return. That's a pretty spicy return. Do you think there's any credible investment advisor in the world that would tell somebody that's what they can do?
1: I hope not. I hope not. And the funny thing is, so when people started investing, influences their understanding of the market so heavily. So there was a big tranche of investors that came in in early 2021 and just had the worst experience ever everything they bought just like hit the floor they might never invest in stocks again just cuz it wiped away wealth from them there are also people on the other side who came in relatively recently at the bottom and were able to ride the wave up and i think that's what happened with this guy because he named a couple stocks he bought that are up you know 50 to 100% over the last 6 to 12 months and they were so he's like well it seems pretty simple to double your money every couple
0: of years. Like, and Dan, you're a professional, trying. so you should be even better than him at it. Yeah, exactly. So
1: it it's kind of scary using recent history to assess what the future is going to bring to you. Just like I don't want people who invested at the top of the market to be discouraged from investing in the future, I certainly don't want people to have overconfidence because they've had a good couple months and think they're pros at this.
0: Yeah, I think that that is a common issue. I told my brother when he got started investing... And he had a very nice run, and I I can't remember exactly what what year this was, but it was a pretty hot market, and he had a couple of situations where he had kind of thrown a dart and hit something that was really on a heater. And I remember telling him, you need to be punched in the face by the market. Not in a bad way. I didn't want him to lose money. I was not wishing for something poor to happen to him, but... There is a level of respect that needs to be given to the markets and how unpredictable they are and how difficult being an investor actually is. Now, it doesn't have to be difficult in the sense that you're doing a lot. You can be a very simple investor with index funds. You can just buy and hold and rebuy and rebuy and rebuy, right? That's really what it comes down to for a lot of people. But the act of doing that requires so much patience. It is difficult to do that. It's the patience. It's the waiting. It's the watering your seeds and just knowing that the harvest might be 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now on what you're planting today. That's the difficult part.
1: Yeah. And you have to plant many seeds, which is why these headlines are so awful. Because if I'm getting started and I see I could just buy one stock for under $100 that Warren Buffett bought, And I think he's one of the greatest investors of all time. I have $100. Why don't I just throw in with that? I don't think he would advocate that you do that either. So these are the easiest things to bring someone to an action, which is to click the article, subscribe, buy it, whatever. But it doesn't mean that's the best action you should take if you truly only had $100 to invest today.
0: That's it. Here's a related one to those. It'll be like 10 stocks you should be looking at that are under $10 per share. Why are we still talking about the dollar per share price? Why are we perpetuating that mistake that thinking a stock that is a low dollar amount per share is a cheap stock and vice versa, that a stock that has a high share dollar amount is somehow an expensive company to own when so many brokers are now offering fractional shares slice ownership where you can basically build a diversified portfolio and own pieces for much less than the cost of a single share of a company.
1: Yeah, the share price means almost nothing and can be manipulated however the company wants. They can do stock splits or reverse stock splits and change the price at a whim without impacting the business at all. Don't put any weight into the price of a stock except on a relative basis to itself to measure how it's done over time.
0: Here's one that I see all the time, Dan, and I don't have a specific version of this, but I bet everybody listening has seen this article. Can you retire on a million dollars? Some version of that. Sometimes it's not a million. Sometimes it's a different number. Might be 500,000, might be two and a half million, might be five million. Who knows what? Doesn't matter what the number is, but generally some generic round number. Can I retire on X? How is that article going to answer the question, Dan?
1: Yeah, I think you sent me this maybe yesterday or the day before. Can you? Sure. I, I promise you can retire on a million dollars. Are you willing to retire on a million dollars? That's another question.
0: Dan, I can retire right now as long as I don't live longer than a week. <laughs> That's right. If I know when you're going to die, I can make the perfect retirement plan for you. Yeah, I, I can get till next Tuesday. No problem. Yeah, that article, they're so prevalent. I see them all the time. It is completely dependent on what you spend. Right.
1: Right. Are are you going to change your lifestyle? Because a million dollars can get you pretty far if you've got a pretty skinny budget.
0: Yeah. If you're using the 4% rule, which is a simple rule and doesn't include Social Security and all sorts of other stuff, but we would generally tell somebody that if they've got a million bucks, they could probably take 40 grand a year out of it, maybe even 50 depends if you're going to be flexible in your spending pattern. So that's the turnaround question. Can you live on 40 grand a year? I don't think that's what the article says. That's, that should be a two-line article. It just says, can you retire on a million dollars? You click into it and then it goes, I don't know. Do you spend 40 grand? If it's more, maybe not.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, similarly, the other one I see is how much you should have saved by each like decade of your life. Everyone's journey is so unique. That article should mean nothing to you because it doesn't speak to who you are, your career trajectory, your location, or anything at all. So if you're benchmarking by national averages, you should just throw that right in the trash.
0: I think what people want when they see that, they want to know that they're doing better than their peers. So many people are desperate to know. It's not only am I doing okay, it's am I doing better than my neighbor? and you're just not going to know what your neighbor has, but when we think about the diversity of experiences, I mean, even in our client base, you have some people whose parents started saving for them when they were teenagers, and they got their first job, and then the parents created a Roth IRA in their name so that by the time they hit you know, the exit ramp of college, they've already contributed for, you know, almost 10 years. You've got nine years of contributions in a Roth. And maybe that parent was able to provide school and they come out with no debt versus somebody else that has to go their own way. They come out of college with debt, they have to pay that back. So they're starting in a hole. And those are just different trajectories. Who you grew up around, how you grew up, what your financing looks like. Nobody should feel bad if they're coming out of college with college debt and they made that investment in their education. They might have to save a little bit harder because they've got more to do, to get to that same place. But that's not something anybody should feel bad about. It's you, run your own race. I mean, this is such a personal thing that you should be doing for yourself.
1: Yeah, I can think of such extreme cases here. Like I have a friend who's in his 30s and he's been working hard to become a doctor. He took a couple detours along the way. You know, what he has saved to this point isn't anything very meaningful. But in the next couple of years, he's going to come out of school with a really strong earnings trajectory ahead of him and a very low cost of living lifestyle because he's been living on, you know, a resident salary for a few years.
0: Yeah. When, when a, yeah, I think that's like the, the perfect example, right? You see it with lawyers, you see it with doctors in particular. There is a, you're starting in a hole, right? Like, I mean, it's a very deep hole. It's a meaningful one, but you're going into that hole in many cases to build a bigger engine right? Your earnings power is just incredibly higher. Do you care what the average 30-year-old has saved if you're coming out and you've got the ability to make huge amounts of money because you've been investing in your career? No, you shouldn't care about that. Like, you you
1: just shouldn't. (laughs) Apparently, I have too much free time on my hand. I started rewatching Silicon Valley again. I think we might have talked about this years ago. But I think of people like that too, who are investing all their time, effort, and resources in their own businesses... Which can put you on a different trajectory as well, like you might starve your savings for a few years to do that, but you're growing something with a lot of power there, so index against yourself, don't index against your peers, or at least be mindful of how you're judging your progress.
0: I also think thinking of the investment is is really interesting, right, and we talk a lot about i mean we're spending a lot of time on this last one, but we talk a lot about the savings muscle and the debt repayment muscle are are so related if they're I mean, those are, those are blood-related as far as I'm concerned because the only way to pay down debt and the only way to save is to restrict your consumption of an earned dollar. It's the only way to do it. Give yourself credit if you're doing that, right? If you're repaying debt, give yourself that credit for moving the needle in the right direction. We don't need to, to be using a net worth or how much you have saved number if You're basically doing the right things, exhibiting the right behaviors. You're going to put yourself on the right track. You just have to keep going with that pattern and be careful for the lifestyle creep down the road.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Dan, I think you sent some wine keys out this week, didn't you? I did. I sent at least three out.
1: We might have a couple emails in the queue that I'll get to in the next couple of weeks as well. But if you receive them, send us photos. It's cool to see people using them. I have been using mine exclusively. I did see my wife the other day open a bottle with a subpar bottle opener. I was really upset. Oh, I my her. goodness.
0: I yeah. I mean, you should just turn that bottle away. Just pour that down the drain. You don't, you don't need that one. It's
1: been tainted. It doesn't have the magic touch of the Check Your Balance Wine Key. So we have a large stock of them. I am excited to get them in the hands of people, and I uh, hope you all enjoy them.
0: And I can tell people... I was notoriously... I was the one that shipped all the mugs. So if you got one of the mugs, which unfortunately we are truly out of, and it was slow to get to you, that was on me. If you are getting a wine key and that's slow to get to you, that's on Dan. We have, we have switched who has to deal with this. Dan is typically better at tasks like this than I am. Dan's like a good checklist person. I'm like, a, I'll get to that eventually person. And uh, I suspect the experience if you're going to be on the receiving end, is going to be much better now that Dan has taken that over.
1: Well, one part of the experience that I've included is when we started this company, Ross had some stickers made that say, get your money up, which is the unofficial slogan of check your balances. I don't know that we officially include that anywhere, but it came to us in a very funny way. I included some stickers as well when I shipped those wine keys out.
0: Love that. If you get a sticker, stick them somewhere, take a photo of that too. We will also repost those on the Instagram if we see those out in the wild. We appreciate everybody listening. Hope this was a fun episode. Don't click on the clickbait articles. Click on the good stuff. Click on our stuff. Yeah, exactly. All these articles should just say, keep saving, leave it alone. Try not to interrupt the process.
1: Here's a clickbait article for you. Just 20 minutes a week will make you financially stronger with Check Your Balances.
0: There you go. I like it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. at Outlook.com is the email address for the show. We will catch you all next time.